Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Cinemaholics, the major motion podcast, where we talk about the biggest and the best films coming to theaters and streaming online. Uh, I am not John Negroni, your usual co-host, or rather host. I don't know why I'm denigrating him. It's because he's not here, I'm assuming. (laughs) Uh, I am your regular co-host, now host from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, It's me, Will Ashton, but I'm not alone. Thankfully, I'm not alone. We have from the Mad Men Men podcast, which I am also a part of, it's the one and only Mike Overhost. How you doing there, Mike? Oh, so good. I love when John goes on vacation. You got to call in the C team. Sure. But hey, I'm here and I'm ready. C as in cocaine? Absolutely. C as in cocaine, B as in bear. Let's there you go. go. There you go. There you go. All right. Um. So how you doing, Mike? I think I asked you that already. Yeah, you know, I, you know, it was it was off it was off podcast, so we can let's pretend let's make this uh, you know natural candid. Like, oh my goodness, Will, I haven't seen you in so You're long. Right, there you I'm go. Doing, yeah. I'm doing great. How are you doing? Uh, we don't talk almost every day. Right there, you go. <laughs> yeah, we were just talking uh, last night. Even I think you were trying to figure out what movie was playing on TV, and I believe it was Mystery Men. I I don't know if you guys ever answer me. Is that the movie? I'm, I'm so I'm at a bar. And I look up on the screen and I see just like this very camp. Uh, I was gonna say Bruce Willis, um, <laughs> Ben Stiller, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, you know, there's Hank Azaria. You have William H Macy, and for the life of me, I'm like, I cannot place this movie. I I, I don't I don't think I've ever even heard of it. Mystery Men. I've, that's this is the first I've heard of this movie. Yeah, it's um, I believe that's a movie that introduced us to uh. All Star by Smash Mouth. Because if you ever watched the music video for Smash Mouth, they have cameos from the characters of Mystery Men. Wow. Wow. So I was, I didn't realize I was witnessing sure. literal history there last night at the bar. There you go. Yeah. It was a huge flop. I'm pretty sure that movie was. Um, it's not terrible. I, I don't know. It's definitely one I think that's best seen probably at a bar as you're watching it. So you got the optimal viewing experience, I would have to say. Yeah, shout out Hattie's Hat. Thank you so much for, for playing me that, that movie. Sure. I really appreciated it. Another film that I imagine will probably play well in bars or on streaming in the near future is a film we're talking about right now. And that movie is Cocaine Bear. The, I believe, third film directed by Elizabeth Banks. Yep, after Saving Private Ryan and Jaws. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, <laughs> just... You know, she started with Jaws, went straight to Saving Private Ryan, then decided to detour a little bit, only a little bit, into Cocaine Bear. Um, I mean, yeah, Cocaine Bear, the Jaws of the Land. Yeah, you know? there you go. Um, so let's get into it a little bit. Uh, you seem to be pretty excited for this film, maybe more excited than anyone I've talked to about this film. <laughs> Can you tell me yeah. why that is? Yeah, well, so they really hit on, you know, some of my favorite things in life, you know. Cocaine, love it. Bears, love it even more. Now, that's for any employers and or family members listening. That's a joke. Yeah, I don't love cocaine. Uh, no, I I think that this um, I think that this movie is fun. I had a really good theater for it. Like it was a packed theater on a Friday night, and people were ready to just kind of let themselves watch this movie. It's by no means a good movie. Like the second you start thinking about it for for a moment, it falls apart. But, you know, if you just give yourself to this movie, it's a good time. 
Well, you jumped ahead a little bit. I was just asking why you were excited about it going into it, but it seems like you already kind of told me how you feel about the film, which is fine. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I was going into it with maybe more modest expectations. I was just more curious than anything, I guess, going into this. Um, I wasn't crazy about Elizabeth Banks' previous two directorial efforts. I really like her as an actress, but I thought Pitch Perfect 2 was pretty terrible. And I was not especially fond of the Charlie's Angels reboot. Uh, I feel it's not a great sign when a movie makes me want to watch a McGee film instead of what I'm actually watching. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I can't say I had the, the utmost confidence in this film going into it. But I was a little curious, not only because of the concept, but because of the cast and some of the other people involved behind the scenes. Certainly, uh, I know Phil Lord and Chris Miller were two of the main producers on the film, as well as, uh, look, let me look up the guy's name. He's a guy that did Spontaneous. Did you see Spontaneous? I did see Spontaneous. It's a good film. If you, do you like coming-of-age films? Yeah, for sure. Sure. It's a nice, fun, uh, quirky, coming-of-age film. But anyway, what's that guy? Oh, Brian Duffield is his name. And then we have an all-star mm, cast. Yep. Uh, most of whom are playing second fiddle to the titular cocaine bear, of course. But we have Carrie Russell, O'Shea Jackson Jr., Christian Coverney, Alden Erdrich, Brooklyn Prince, Isaiah Whitlock Jr., of course, Margot Martindale, and the late, great Ray Liotta in one of his final film performances. Which is probably the thing I was most curious to see beyond uh, just having a chance to see Margot Martindale on the big screen again, as well as a bear on cocaine is just seeing one of the last few radio performances, knowing there's a finite amount now. And this was one of the last remaining ones. I was a little disappointed though, as far as the Leota-ness of the film, I feel like there was a lot less than I was expecting going into it, but how do you feel about all that? Yeah. So this is what I'm going to do now for the podcast is actually listen to the questions that you're asking. Um, <laughs> I, I will say I also have very low expectations going into this movie. Like you, I, we talked about this. I'm not a fan of anything Elizabeth Banks has actually done previously. I would say I'm barely a fan of a lot of the stuff she's done on camera. Really? Uh, yeah, I think she's fine. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't. I'm not, Elizabeth Banks isn't getting me to buy movie tickets. Sure, you know you're not, but you like Scrubs, right? Uh, you know what? I've barely seen Scrubs. Really? I thought you were a big fan of Scrubs. I mean. I, of what I've seen, I've enjoyed, sure, but okay. also is she, I didn't realize when I think of scrubs and I think of a blonde lady, I think of whoever the other one yeah, you're is. Thinking of Sarah Chalk. I don't think of Elizabeth Banks. No, um, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I guess if uh, I was going to spoil something about scrubs that pertains to her character, but I won't give it away. If you or the listeners haven't watched scrubs yet, you gotta, you gotta leave that for our other podcast. Scrub, scrub, man. Scrub, scrub, <laughs> scrub, 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 <laughs> just scrub, scrub. They're not even men, just scrub, scrub. Yeah. Uh, but really, yeah, he, he's, I mean, all my life, I've just wanted to be Ray Liotta, right? Uh, nice so little coming uh, into this, Goodfellas quote there. I like that. I just saw Goodfellas for the first time this year. It was in the background of a party? No, it's not. that's a callback, if listeners don't know, to uh, Mad Men Men. And if you want to get that joke, you'll have to listen to Mad Men Men. I'm just here to market and plug Mad Men Men. I, you know, that's all I'm here. But, uh, yeah, I, Ray Liotta for sure is, is a highlight of this movie for me. I definitely think it could have used a lot more of him. Uh, but I do appreciate what we do get from him because, as as we'll talk about, it also just doesn't totally make sense <laughs> the moments that we do get him. But we'll get into that. Sure. Uh, do we need to do a plot description for Cocaine Bear? 
Well, didn't that that actor already do that on TikTok? Did you see? Did oh, you you're talking that? about the guy that's in the ambulance. Yeah, but he posted that TikTok <laughs> about like what you need to know going into this right. movie, which is important. Yeah, I mean, basically, all you need to know is uh, there's a plane that is smuggling drugs uh, into a small forest-based midwestern town. Something goes awry. The the cocaine falls into the hands of a bear. That bear grows to absorb uh, a ton of cocaine, loves cocaine, and basically goes on a scat, or, sorry, savage killing spree to, uh, you know, get more cocaine in its system. And along the way, we meet a variety of people, young and old, who have the fortune or misfortune of interacting with a bear on cocaine. And that's really all you need to know about the film. Yeah, n- nothing more, <laughs> literally nothing less. Like, you barely do even need to even know these characters. I think that's one of the biggest confusing parts of the movie is, you know, who actually matters in this? I mean, that was one of my chief complaints of the film is that, you know, for a film that's called Cocaine Bear, there were several times in this movie where I was kind of wondering to myself, like, when's a cocaine bear going to come back? Because it's just a bunch of chatty humans. I'm like, I don't care. I didn't see a movie called Chatty Humans. I came to see a movie called Cocaine Bear. Like, what's who are all these people talking? Get them off the screen. Get the bear back on. That's what I think. What about you? Yeah, if we would have just had, from the bear's perspective, the entire time. Like, literally, if I had never even got a shot of Cocaine Bear, but what I got was the eyes and view of Cocaine Bear, literally 24-7, like, one-take one Birdman style, then this movie would be in, you know, a legendary status. I think the movie you're talking about is basically if they made Crank, but with a bear on cocaine, which would absolutely be a movie I would pay top dollar to see. But Jason Statham is still playing Cocaine Bear. <laughs> I'm Cocaine Bear. Yeah. That's my Jason Statham. My name is Cocaine Bear. <laughs> well, that's way better than my Jason <laughs> I think I can just do Michael Caine because people just All say right. you're supposed to say my cocaine. Exactly, yeah. So just yeah, do your um, Michael Caine on Cocaine Bear. <laughs> There's a girl. Well, so you can at least, I mean, you should at least do the Michael Caine. So, Michael Caine. Michael Caine. I would like some cocaine. <laughs> he's very. He's a very polite cocaine bear. Yeah, he's like, I would like some cocaine. Well, there's actually a lot of polite people in in Cocaine Bear. <laughs> Considering, like, half. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I would say like half of the people Cocaine Bear ate started very pleasant. <laughs> I mean, I think that's one of the things I found kind of bizarre about the film is that. It was weirdly kind of trying to be wholesome at times, but it was also trying to be kind of um, what's the word I'm looking for, like uh, like malicious at the same time. Like it, it has like a love for and a disdain for humanity that kind of shifts uh, seemingly at random throughout the film, where we're spending you know kind of cute moments with kids playing in the forest and, you know, getting to know each other, maybe a budding romance. And then we'll see a scene later on where a bunch of, you know, ne'er-do-well characters get ripped apart limb by limb by a bear that's ravaged with cocaine. And, you know, both are kind of supposed to be lighthearted and comedic, but I don't really know, like, if that was more of a studio thing, if they were just kind of like, if the film was maybe darker by design and then they were kind of like, eh, that, that's not really how like a 90 minute movie works. Maybe put some more character, you know, growth to there. Or if it was too wholesome and sweet and then they were kind of like, well, no, people are here to see a movie called Cocaine Bear. You got to kind of give them the blood and the gore. Because I do think the gore 
and the violence is actually pretty effectively done. Like there's some, you know, decent kills. Like the the scene that we were kind of alluding to earlier with the ambulance is probably the highlight of the film in terms of just, you know, sheer carnage and just uh you know going out uh all out and playing with this concept but yeah i don't know i, I felt like some of those moments were a little too few and far between but i feel like you have a uh, different perspective on that yeah i so i the, you're absolutely right on it was just a little bit confusing i i was thinking the whole time though like is it was it a screenplay issue was it a director issue like did the studio come in because i think Specifically, they couldn't decide what kind of gore it wanted. You had this opening, this the, the opening sequence with without giving it away. You know, you have your initial cocaine bear attack. It happens basically off screen. You know, in the bushes, you're not really seeing the gore. What you get is this very like clearly fake limb that drops in. And so for me, I'm like, okay, that's what we're doing. It's it's going to be these bad, you know, off screen. Maybe you see like the first stab, like a kind of like a Jason. Like Friday the 13th 3D kind of bad gore slasher. But then you also have that ambulance scene where they definitely blew that CGI budget. And the kills are brutal. But it's just like completely different. And, you know, uh, it's like they just wanted to have that one big CGI scene, but they couldn't afford it for the whole movie. Maybe type thing. I mean, I'm assuming that's why the bear only factors into like a handful of scenes. I get like... You don't want to overdo it with the bear. Like, you want to make those moments count. So, you don't want to have like a whole movie. Like, I'm kind of being a little flippant earlier when I'm saying, like, why, why is the the movie so lacking with the cocaine bear? I get like they want to build it up and there's like decent bit of suspense when you do actually get the, um, the cocaine bear ravaging, like that scene in the forest with uh, what's his face from, um, Modern Family and Carrie Russell. Um, Jesse Tyler Ferguson. That's right. That's, right? Yeah. He's like wearing like a weird wig throughout the film. I didn't really. Uh, I, I thought his performance was pretty bad in this. I, I was not particularly fond of mm-hmm. him, and I felt like I don't know, it, was, it, it had another issue of mine where it seems like some of the actors in this movie are playing it totally straight, which I actually kind of admire. Like, Carrie Russell is just like, I was on The Americans. I should have won an Emmy for this show. I'm playing this straight. I don't care what the title of the movie is, and that's cool. I like that. And then you have like other actors like um, the little boy. I believe that's Christian Convey, who is like, you know, he's like kind of winking with it. He's like aware of what he's doing, but he's like kind of playing cute and like, but not like underselling the concept. Then you have like um, O'Shea Jackson Jr., who's just kind of treating this like a lark. You have Alden Erich, who's giving like a dramatic performance, basically. <laughs> like, like he's like trying to like still prove that like he can be an actor. Comedic, comedic dramatic, though. I guess, but like he's still like playing it like. I like he's like he got the note that like your wife died of cancer and you're grieving about it. He treated it like, okay, I'm still in like I'm in like August Osage County. You know, he's not like I don't feel like he's in like cocaine. Not to say he did a bad job or anything. I I think he did a fine job, but um, it still gets kind of it felt like multiple actors in this were kind of treating with different levels of uh, sincerity and seriousness. Uh, I think for me, I was probably most in line with the like either Margot Martindale approach where she's just having fun and it's just like, I'm Margot Martindale and I don't need to prove a heck or a dang to anything or anybody. Uh, and she just was having fun with it. And I like the kind of like Ray Liotta approach where he's just like, you know, I'm going to be as menacing as possible. I don't care if this movie is Goodfellas. I don't care if it's cocaine bear. I'm going to be a threat, a genuine threat. Cause no bear is going to take me down. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, where do you stand though in the performances? Yeah, so performance-wise, I'm surprised you didn't bring him up. I think the most camp 
actor in this, and also the person I like the least is uh, my man from Game of Thrones. Was it Christopher Heave Jew? I don't know how to say his name. Okay, yeah, that's the guy uh, that who was at the beginning of the film. Yeah, yeah, he, he's at the beginning and kind of at the end. Like he he shows up for a little bit, and you think, oh, he's going to be here for this final third act, and then they kill him off screen. But he just is his character is like ridiculous. But they don't give enough screen time where that ridiculous kind of lands or is enjoyed. I think they really wasted that performance. But then, yeah, everybody else couldn't really get on the same page on if this movie was serious or totally be. Um, you, you do have you have Han Solo kind of giving this weird, like dramatic, I'm sad boy. Like think of like the opposite of of John Wick. You know where John Wick didn't get crazy like. He's not going out and killing everybody. In fact, he, he's trying to get more in touch with his emotions. Abandoned his child uh, for for a couple weeks. Uh, uh, I, yeah, I mean that whole. I mean that kid. I don't even know if they ever really. Well, they, they reconnect at the end, I guess. But uh, in the end credits, and the yeah, and then uh, Isaiah Whitlock Jr. is someone I like the the detective, the hard boiled detective, who also some weird side plot of having a dog that he wants but also loves, but. It only has it for 24 hours. I don't know why that was included. Oh, you cut out a little bit. Are you there? Hello? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Sorry, it froze for a second. No worries. What was the last thing you heard? Uh, you were talking about the cop and the dog. Yeah, I just, I don't know why that that, that little B story was included. It, I don't really, it kind of added for one funny moment at the end, but overall, it just didn't really feel like, what are we doing here? Yeah, I mean, you did touch on something that um, I was kind of wondering about, which is, it, it did seem like there were some changes made to the third act certainly there's kind of an awkward uh weird like flashback thing that they do at one point where they acknowledge like you said the guy from game of thrones was killed off mostly off screen and it's a little vague as to like why we didn't see that or like what happened like if there was like a darker ending in mind it didn't test well or what happened but it just seemed like there's a very awkward shift like they they kind of put all these characters in this one stationary location at the end like a very clearly fake waterfall set that's weirdly very murky and not very visually interesting um yeah i don't know i'm not quite sure what happened there and that that does kind of touch into my general issues with the film is that i feel like you were kind of expecting me to be super negative on this film but really i feel like i'm more or less just kind of mix on it more than anything like i think for what it is it's generally uh you know it, it knows what it is it's not really playing it super serious throughout but it's also uh playing enough straight enough i mean that you know we have heightened stakes we have some genuine sort of suspenseful moments and we have you know a qualified cast trying to you know have fun and play it up to various degrees of seriousness. But um, I feel like, yeah, like I said before, the fact there are so many characters in this and the fact that there's so many moments where it feels like they have to kind of like stuff the film with people because they can only do so much with the bear did kind of result in a tonal film that uh, I don't think was exceptionally well paced. And I didn't really feel like uh, it, it always knew exactly what it was trying to be at a given time, which I guess makes it fitting for the type of B-movies that it is trying to replicate. Uh, you know, if you watch a lot of those kind of schlocky movies from the 80s or 90s, uh, you know, they, they, they're kind of more well-known for these sort of heightened, bombastic, hilarious moments than like the dull kind of, you know, rambling character moments that scatter throughout it. So maybe that is a fitting pache. I don't really know for sure, but... I don't know. I feel like 
for a movie like this that's trying to be as self-aware as it is and uh, as much homage to those genre films as it is, I feel like I was kind of with it and out of it more than I would have liked. What about you, though? Yeah, so I'll be really clear in my stance on this. Again, it's by no means – it feels silly to critique because it's by no means a good movie, and I don't think it ever even attempted to be one. Yeah, and I mean that's why I'm just trying to be goofy with this review and stuff. Like I don't want to like – Totally. Yeah, yeah. I'm not talking it, but, about the uh, the Maison scene of uh, cocaine. There. <laughs> because it was fun to watch. And again, I, I do think your theater that you're in really kind of could affect it. I know, Will, I don't think you mentioned it here, but off camera, you watched this at noon, yes. dead sober, before you went to work. That is correct. Yeah, that was the one time I could see the film so we could talk about it on time for this podcast. Yeah. But I had people in my like movie screaming like they were shocked when things happen, like a clear death is going to happen and people are – or a cocaine bear reemerges or there, there's this kick-ass scene – sorry. There's this great scene where cocaine bear – You could say ass. Rec- I mean it's, that's fine. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> good, good to know. But cocaine bear – uh, has been brought back to life after being shot, basically, by cocaine. Cocaine bear saves cocaine bear. Uh, and it climbs back up this waterfall and spits out the bullet. And it's like, that was the moment where I fully decided, like, yeah, like, this is this is a, this is is a fun. This is exactly what I wanted this to be, and I'm glad. Because, um, Will, are you familiar with Santa Jaws? Have you heard of Santa Jaws? Uh, I think I've heard the title. I've not seen this film, though. This is a movie that uh, my fiance Hannah made me watch. Essentially, it's like the if this is a B movie, this is Santa Jaws is a D movie version of this, where essentially a kid draws a picture of a Santa Jaws, it comes to life, and it kills like the entire town. Uh, but it's like the worst CGI you'll ever see, horrible acting. That's one of those movies where it's so bad it gives you something to talk about. That's not where this movie landed. It wasn't like I'm we were there to make fun of it and it was so ridiculous that it was fun. It was just truly fun because it was a cocaine bear. It stayed in its lane uh, and it knew to just be a movie about cocaine bear. Yeah. I mean, the movie I was kind of thinking of um, when I was watching this was the like 2010 remake of Piranha. I don't know if you ever saw that one. Uh, That's another film that's kind of replicating that eighties Pache, but doing it in a very kind of ironic way. you know, irreverent way, bloody, over-the-top, goofy gore scenes and stuff like that. And I feel like that's maybe the movie I was expecting this to be more than what we got. But I get what you're saying, though, where – excuse me. Anyway, uh, where yeah, I mean, like the scene you're talking about there where the, the bear shoots the, the bullet straight out of its mouth. Like that stuff, that gives me a smile. Like it's kind of hard not to get warmed over by those kind of moments. Uh, and I kind of wish there was like a little bit more of that. I feel like those moments are kind of few and far between here. But I will say, overall, yeah, I mean, it's a hard film to really get mad about or critique in any serious fashion. I, I've seen a lot of people have very sort of, sort of strong opinions, negative and positive. I mean, I've seen people who say, like, they love this movie. It's exactly what they wanted, yada, yada, yada. I've seen some people genuinely say this is the worst movie they've ever seen. And I'm like, I don't know. I just think it's somewhere in the middle. Like, it's, I don't know if that's more damning than just saying it's bad or good. I think it's just more, 
I, I, I think it has too high production values and too many competent people involved to be like the type of film you're saying there. It's not like in a Salem film or anything like that where it's intentionally or like a Sharknado film or something like that where it's like going, you know, it, it doesn't care about the end product or anything about that. I think they do care, but they also recognize that it doesn't need to be the English patient to be what it sets out to be. But same time with those kind of expectations in mind, I do kind of find myself wanting a little bit more of that. I, do, I still think it doesn't quite match the tone and style that's going for. And I, I think that comes down to Banks not being a super strong or competent director uh, and those kind of third act problems that we were mentioning before. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I, I walked out of it more with a shrug than like being mad or, you know, giddy or anything like that. I wish I had your enthusiasm. Maybe that was my theater experience playing it in part because I, I saw, like I said, at a ritzy suburban mall at, in the middle of the day and my audience was pretty muted for the most part uh to the point where i sometimes forgot other people were in the theater besides me uh yeah i don't know i, I it was definitely night and day uh quite literally uh, compared to your experience it seems yeah and i mean there's a lot of other like comedic moments that were really a highlight for me i really liked um i can't remember his name who played the 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 one ne'er do well who lived the main bud i think i think his character name is kid uh but yeah he he, he has really great moments i think he's extremely funny um he, I, I would even say his post credit scene is one of my favorites um but i will say this movie did put one of the worst character names into into a movie who names their their character Didi? The whole time while I'm yelling Didi, I can only think of Dexter's Laboratory. I'm thinking of the meme of the Didi Mega Doodoo. It's just such a bad name. Yeah. I mean, it does kind of uh, indirectly touch on something I was going to ask. Do you feel like this movie... I feel like of late, there have been more movies that have been trying to capture the memification of film. Like, I feel like more movies nowadays are kind of self-aware of the fact that they're going to get memed or gift and all this stuff. Did you feel that that was the case with this film? Yeah, I think it, 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 a movie it kept getting compared to online, right, is Snakes on the Plane. And, you know, one of the most memed lines of, you know, of any movie ever. Was, I, I won't say it here. But Monkey fight Snakes Sam on Jackson. Monday or Friday plane as the TV And I do think said. it kept yeah. – it, it, it did keep going, I think, for that sound bite, sound bite right, of like, you know, the, the bear did co- – it did cocaine or uh, – when uh, Henry Henry's character has a lot of them too, uh, where he's like, "That's something where like that's gonna stay with a man forever." There's there's a lot of those lines. I think for sure they're they're trying to go viral, um, but I don't think it was too egregious. I mean, we live in the world of Marvel where everything people are just gonna take everything from a movie and post it online, and I don't think it was too intentionally going for that. What what do you think? Um. I don't know. I mean, it, less so than I was expecting. Like, it, it wasn't, like I said, as winking as I thought it was going to be. I think it played it more straight than I expected. Um, but I will say, yeah, I mean, it's not like a skin and where it became, where those TikTok moments were sort of accidental. Like, I think it was very self-aware about the meme potential of the film. I'm sure that was part of the, the reason behind green lighting it, I'm sure. But um, yeah, I mean, I will say I, I do appreciate that Universal is taking a shot and doing movies like this from a studio system. Like they're the last studio that I can really think of at this point that uh, except maybe Paramount that, you know, will fund like a mid-budget movie like this. It's just, 
you know, what you see is what you get as far as the title is concerned. It's not, you know, as that TikTok was saying, uh, you know, connected to some uh, cinematic universe or, you know, you have to watch five episodes of WandaVision to know where Cocaine Bear comes from. It's all it's all on the title and everything you need to know is uh, compact to that viewing experience. And uh, even if I didn't love this film, it's not, I mean, I guess for me, what I'm thinking of more is like Megan seemed to be more kind of self-aware, I guess, of that like meme potential. Like, I feel like that's a film where that knew that that was going to be kind of a TikTok sensation and they really ran with it in a big way. I feel like this movie isn't doing that quite as much, but it does. It is something that lingers in my mind, I will say. Dollars to Donuts, the big difference for me with that, I'm glad you're bringing Megan up. It seems like Megan had a good screenplay, like from 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 the the creation of that project it seemed like it knew what it was and i think especially with how this movie kind of fails to kind of bring their characters together you have this really weird second act that revolves around a gazebo where your first party takes forever to get to it but they're actually the last party to get there and like this old cop gets there and also ray liotta's character gets there but how is he supposed to know to go to the gazebo no one told him about this thing and then also then you have this third act where everybody we talked about is in this cave and it doesn't even really make sense why they're there because the whole thing is the setup is the little girl was attacked and she's running away and she runs away a long distance and where she decides to settle down is clearly the the bear's cave like she's trying to get away from this bear but so she's hiding with the bear's cubs like it just it, it just seems like a screenplay issue where they just kind of didn't really know what they were doing well, that's why I'm wondering if that was like maybe some third act change that happened. Like, it just seems like it's a, it was a little too convenient, maybe like a little too like neat for its own purpose. Like they had to like configure the film around it. But I'm not quite sure what that original version would have been exactly. Because also, right, it does like I guess it sets it up where she always wanted to go to the waterfalls. Right. That's why she's the DD ran away from home with Henry. They ditched school because they were going to go paint the waterfall. Which is my other question here is, what part of that waterfall gets painted? It's one very dangerous, also a really aggressive, high-paced waterfall. So I guess, I mean, they definitely set it up from literally the, the very first scene with, with Dee Dee that I guess it is going to end up at the waterfall. But So maybe it was always there, but they ran out of budget to make it look how no, they I wanted. Think, I think that was some also some reshoots that went into kind of giving this a more compact thing i don't know it just sure i mean i will say i mean we didn't really touch on this before but um the movie is a pretty tight 95 minutes which i am always going to be like yes a-okay you know uh you know there's no reason why a movie called cocaine bear has to be two hours but i am wondering like i'm not quite sure if there was like a longer version that was maybe a little bit more spread out and they were just like yeah we just need to cut this down make it a little bit more tight and then that's where the reshoots came in like they, they gave more focus to brooklyn prince's character or whatever or, i don't know i'm not really sure what happened there but it yeah it did leave me pondering what exactly uh caused that kind of turn of events to unfold here it did become nighttime very quick you, you went from like this midday gazebo scene to yeah. They get to the cave and it's night. Well, that bear, like, was it was so infused with the power of cocaine that could control the the sun and lunar cycles that you know once it, it came down, everything came down with it, including the the sun. So there, that's what happened. So the co- cocaine bear is real. It's uh, was the first iteration of the mimics from Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, uh, and ha- is able to you know control time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Um, exactly. <laughs> not only time, but just the the sun cycles and just when when the sun and the moon come into play and you know it just it, i'm just surprised at the end like it didn't just become day instantly when it was fueled with the power of cocaine like you know well it did though <laughs> it, did? it was nighttime so yeah right because so third act happens right you have the climactic the cubs and yeah. re-energized cocaine bear uh, might well just say the water spoilers i guess yeah, sure. It will we'll be in that zone. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you're listening to this, uh, spoilers in three, two, one. Uh, Captain America died. Yeah, that was kind Sorry. of a surprise. There it is. Choice that they brought in Captain America for one scene and then killed him off, and then had the bear say, "Well, it was old Steve, right?" And then this, and then they also made a point to say, "This is MCU canon," which I thought was a little odd and took me out of the film. But I mean, I I applaud the the bold decision. I mean, I'm just excited that if Cocaine Bear is going to end up on the Guardians of the Galaxy and not the Young Avengers, um, it's just I think it makes a lot more sense. Yeah, I mean, I think but, Cocaine Bear will get along with Rocket Raccoon and then uh, Groot, definitely. Yeah. Uh, no, so, but, sorry, all this to say, right, so, you have the scene where they're all in the water, it's nighttime, and then the very next scene is them getting back to their cars, and it's morning again. So, it did, it, he did reset, <laughs> reset the time clocks. She. Yeah, I remember. She. Is a, is a woman. Uh, Women's has, stories matter. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, just in time for, isn't March Women's History Month? It is. Yeah, so it, March, March 8th. Yeah, there you go. So just in time for Women's History Month, it's uh, Cocaine Bear is on screen near you. Um, so, yeah, I mean, um, I don't know if there's too much more to discuss. Uh, I was going to ask you about the score, how you felt about it. Can you can you name literally t- like more than two song- two or more songs that they use in this movie? Not the is soundtrack, the score. Oh, yeah, the score. I mean, again, I think uh, tonally this – movie was confused uh i don't think it, it was memorable i think the only thing that made this movie work and but still made it work enough i liked it was just it being a cocaine bear like that idea of being crazy enough but the score i, I was fine okay. it, it didn't evoke really b movie 80s i think it could have tried a little bit harder i don't know i was a little i guess kinder to the uh um score uh, I, th- I thought it had kind of a fun '80s, like it, it kind of go. For, it went for like that retro kind of archaic sound. To give it, I, it just felt kind of infrequent, though. Like I, I only really noticed it in certain scenes. Um, so I, I don't know. It, it wasn't like an amazing score, but I thought it had some fun, it had some character to it. Um, I thought it was a little odd that they didn't ask uh, Bear McCreary to do the score. I thought that would have been a fun choice, and he's uh, you know, a good composer. But you know, that's neither here nor there. Or a country bears tie-in. Yeah, I was also I was also thinking about the country bears in this. Like, you got to bring them back because this is the '80s, and that that movie takes place in the early 2000s. So you you could argue that this is a country bears prequel. And cocaine bear, you know, cocaine is why the band broke up. Like yeah. like many other bands, it, it became a problem. Yeah, yeah. in the '80s. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, like everyone has their fun in the '70s and '80s, and you got to settle down and raise a kid, and you know, you know. That that's what happens, and then you know later it'll be like glass. Like we'll find out. Like you know they'll get back together and have the ultimate cocaine celebration. Um, 
But in any case, uh, there was something I was going to actually lead this up with, but it kind of just slipped my mind now. So, um, yeah, final thoughts, Vito. You haven't, well, actually, I think you've kind of already said your final thoughts, I guess, at this point, uh, unless you have anything else to say. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be mad if this led to like a cocaine Cubs, like cocaine bear family sequel. Like I'd be down for it because, um, the, the, the her Cubs does do the cocaine as well. Yeah. I will say. And the cocaine Cubs. I like that it's like Air Buddies, like the Air Bud sequels. Yeah. About the <laughs> cocaine Buddies, Cocaine Cubs. Um, yeah, you know, you could do like a Narcos tie-in sure. or something like that. I don't know, but I, I would be down for a Cocaine Cubs movie. Sure. I don't know about you. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, did you see all the outrage where people were trying to get mad about this movie um, celebrating the use of cocaine and potentially getting children to use cocaine? I mean, it does. This movie, I, I did see that. It's obviously ridiculous. Uh, but I mean, this movie does feature two scenes of kids just putting uh, a, a giant scoop of cocaine into their mouths. <laughs> like, it's a joke. It's like, oh, they don't know how to actually do it. Uh, obviously, it's not great, but kids aren't seeing this movie. I think it's comedic at best. And it is, and by no means, I think. Uh, you don't leave this movie being like, okay, I've never done coke before, but now I'm going to do cocaine, even like for 20-year-olds. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, not to tell anyone how they should parent their children. That's not what I'm going to do here. But I will say, I mean, if you're worried about kids being influenced to do cocaine with this movie, I guess the bigger question is why are you letting kids watch Cocaine Bear in the first place? But, uh, you know, that's a question that people can figure out for themselves. Uh, that's not my place to figure out. Do you want to do the Rotten Tomatoes game? Let's do the Rotten Tomatoes All game. All right. Uh, pull up the Rotten Tomatoes score. Have you been spoiled on the Rotten Tomatoes score for this film? I remember seeing it when it was critics only. Okay. Um, on, on that, what, Wednesday night when the when the review started. Uh, but I haven't seen it since. I just noticed that your screen name is Marco Mightendale, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I should have done something for me, but I did not think ahead. Any case, uh, yeah, so we have 211 reviews from critics. Can you guess what the Rotten Tomatoes score is for Cocaine Bear? From critics, I don't think it's doing very well. Hold on, stop. I got to sneeze. That was Mike's uh, sneezing some cocaine right there for all the listeners curious. Yeah, they deviated septum. Yeah. There you uh, go. I would say I, I'm going to give it um, – Oh, I'm going to say it has 62%. Uh, you are almost 10 off. Are you, do you think it's higher or lower? 10 off. So 72 or 52, I think. Sorry, uh, sorry nine, 9 off. Do you think it's 71 or 51? 51. I don't think it's getting good reviews. So you might be surprised to learn that it's currently at 71%. Oh, wow. Let's go. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's, uh, here's a little critics consensus that they have. Despite Cocaine Bear's half-baked plot and uneven acting, the titular fur fiend's scene-snorting frenzy will give B-movie enthusiasts a contact high. So there you go. Yeah. Critics are more I, I would agree with that. Uh, in line with you than me on this one. So how about that? How about the... Uh, I mean, 70, 71%, like a solid C, is exactly like what I would give this movie. So I think that's it's really great. All right. Uh, but what about the audience score? Oh, audience score is high. I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm going to start with uh I'm going to say 90%. 90%. Uh 
Uh, so you are a little off on this one. Uh, do you think you are too high or too low? Damn. Well, I, I, I mean, the critics is higher than I thought. And I think audience like it more. So I'll go. I think I'm too low. All right. You are right. Uh, so it is right now 75%. So actually critics and audiences, uh, are pretty close on this one. You know, they're both favorable. They're not over the moon in love with the film, but it seems like everyone's kind of going in similar to you, Mike, where it's like, Hey, I kind of know what this movie is going into it. I had fun for what it is. What more do you want from me? So, you know, there you go. I'm, I'm the, uh, the kind of stinker of the group, I guess. Uh, (laughs) You know, you, you Pennsylvanians, you yeah. just you, you work too hard to let yourself go. I mean, you watch this right before work. There you go. Exactly. You just, yeah. The blue collar. There you go. Uh, here's my question, because I think this is something, that, you know, cocaine bear is the, the the effects of cocaine bear are great. Like the barrel itself looks really good. Do we know who was the like the VXX, VFX company who did it? Wasn't it Weta? I'm asking you. I don't know. I, You're I the thought host. It was, Aren't you supposed to know? Uh, I mean, I didn't look it up, but I thought I heard Weta was behind the VFX for the film. I'll look that up right now. Uh, in the meantime, because, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just say like, I think if, if that was any worse, this movie would have been really bad, but cocaine bear looked great. Uh, I mean, I will say I, I thought the effects were pretty good. Um, I, I was hoping there'd be more practical effects given the 80s homage of the film. I felt like there could have been more room for stuff like that. Uh, it seemed like they relied pretty much entirely on CG special effects, which I felt was a bit of a bummer. Uh, and I also felt like the 80s stuff, maybe to the film's detriment or benefit, was, you know, kind of tampered down. Like it didn't, you know, compared to a lot of things of late, it didn't really feel like they, they heightened up the 80s of it. There's like one scene with O.C. Jackson Jr. and Ray Liotta where it's just like they're in a mall pizza place and that's like 80s to the max, but everything else is pretty. Pretty, you know, even keel, I guess, as far as the the period details well, are concerned. You, how are you supposed to make the woods look eighties? Well, it's look well, the I same. Well, I was thinking more time. like the fashion, just the, the, the like the, the the not. I'm not expecting like the trees to have neon or anything. Oh, sorry, you wanted <laughs> Cocaine Bear to be wearing a members only jacket. Like, yeah. what did you want? Yeah, I, mean, I have a members only jacket. I thought it would help me relate to the character. Yeah, it could blend into the fur. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, Cinema Score. For uh, Cocaine Bear, why I look up the, who did the special effects? Cinema score? Like guessing what it is? Oh, yeah. Do you know what cinema score is? I forgot to ask if you even know what that is. Okay. I do not. So, for some reason, there's a group in Vegas that gets pulled at random after a film uh, to rate the film A to F uh, based on their initial reaction. I don't know why they're important, but they always get uh, pulled after these big films. And John always asks me what I'm to assume their score is. So now I'm going to ask the same thing of you. And you said they're, they're in Vegas specifically. Yes. Vegas, uh, you know, mm. traditionally a place where what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. I guess cinema score never got that memo. I'm going to, I'm going to guess, I'm going to guess the Vegas moviegoers were pulled at a B. B. You were pretty close. It is a B minus, which is actually for cinema score kind of low. Um, Oh, are they generally higher? <laughs> yeah, they usually they, they like to give like A's and A minuses and B pluses. B's and B minuses are a little shaky, but they're not. They're still positive. They're like you know, they enjoyed the film. They didn't love it. You know, they were kind of like, yeah, it's fine. Uh, and then uh, let me see. Oh, so yeah, it was Weta that did the special effects 
for cocaine bears. So there you go. Peter Jackson's company out there, you know, in between uh, making Hobbit special effects, they decided, hey, let's help out Elizabeth Banks and this cocaine bear. Why not? All right. Final question for you, Mike. And that is the letterbox score. Are you on letterbox, Mike? I am not on letterbox. I, I feel like it, I never got on it and then everyone did. And then I just felt like it was too late. Well, do you want to guess what people are feeling? That's from, uh, you know, zero to five. I'm going to say it has a. And this has points. Uh, so you could I say think, like, you know, like 2.6 or like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I was. I think people on in, in my head, my precognition of, of, of letterbox, my pre, my idea going in is that people are pretentious on it. So I'm going to say 2.4. So you underestimate how much people on Letterbox would enjoy the film. The big thing actually about Letterbox is that it's mostly teenagers. Uh, so uh, okay, it's actually three point three, which is pretty high for Letterbox. Um, you know, man, we're we're all over the place with these ratings. Sure, yeah, it's mostly like, higher. Than, they don't even matter. Sure, yeah, they don't really matter. You know, all you need to do is listen to Cinemaholics and your friends, uh, Mike and Will. Even though we are too. Uh, people who didn't really see eye eye on this film, you know, we gave our thoughts. Uh, we talked about cocaine bear for, I guess, 46 minutes. So how about that? <laughs> uh, I think that, uh, we should just kind of wrap it up right there. Yeah. Works for me. All thank right. you so much, Will, for having me on. Well, I, thank you. I hope, uh, I was, I mean, I, I know I was much better than John. John's never even seen a movie in his life. Yeah. I mean, he would have been too serious. Like he would have been like, what would you think of the color grading on Cocaine Bear, Will? I have to be like, I don't know, John. What did you think of the co- the color grading on Cocaine Bear? I don't know. Yeah, he'd be like, what are the socioeconomic implications <laughs> of the bear's consumption of, of with the inflation for 2023? How do you think Cocaine Bear comments on the opioid crisis that we face today? <laughs> Or you'd have to be like, oh, yeah, I have a personal connection to this. Like, I went to the Chattahoochee Forest when I was a kid. <laughs> you know, in my ministry days, uh, I actually had some experiences yeah. with a few cocaine bears. Uh, I just I can't get through a, a podcast without making fun of Jim, whether he's here yeah. or not. So, Will, what do you think Cocaine Bear has to say about the East Palestine crisis right now? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. All right. I hope he listens to that. Anyway. All right. I'm done. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye.